You are listening to the OneOfUs.net Podcast Network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at $2, 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. You know, I was going to do this whole thing ahead of my head. I was going to put it on just me, the video, because we are doing a video thing here, too, where I'm like, hey, I'm a person like in this movie, Coastal Elites, that's doing a big speech. And then I'm like, that's dumb, because these are some great fucking actors going from some great writing. And I'm just going to look like a goddamn idiot if I try to improv that shit. That is not my strongest skill. So let's not just tell everyone who asks, oh, Chris did this brilliant thing. I can't believe he just came up with it off the top of his head like that. It was like Coastal Elites 2. You wouldn't believe leave it (laughs) you'll be up for a tony any day now (laughs) any day and not the tony a tony it's just an award that some guy i know named tony hands out to people hey here you go motherfucker take this good job unfortunately the tony award is a punch in the face that's what he doesn't tell you (laughs) you just want a tony boom winning awards like trump hey here's your bam pigs award congratulations (laughs) Anyway, uh, we are here to talk, as I said, about HBO's Coastal Elites. This just dropped the other day. And joining me, that was Trevor, you just saw. Hi, Trevor. How do? And Marco. Hello. And so this is basically like a panel of the liberal elite commenting on this movie <laughs> about the liberal elite. I don't know. I, I admit that I have zero distance from this topic at all. I mean, this film was basically programmed for, well, us largely everyone in here is like yeah that's a person i know that's a person i know that's a person i know i have a very hard time putting myself in the head of someone who would who's watching this going i don't know anybody like that that's <laughs> why, why would anybody feel that way that's horrible i don't know are you guys the same with me on that aspect of it at least this is propaganda <laughs> <laughs> i mean i agree with it yeah <laughs> yeah but it's propaganda And I've done enough theater and I've seen enough monologue shows and they tend to proliferate after some major crisis or big cultural shift. And so a lot of well-intentioned artists create art to respond to those situations. And that art is created for an audience of people who identify with that art, agree with that art, and nobody else. This is preaching (laughs) to the converted. The kind of folks who might disagree with paul rudnick uh, the screenwriter and jay roach director who, the person who might agree with their uh, disagree i should say with their vision ain't gonna watch this fucking movie probably wouldn't dream of having hbo in the first place <laughs> no no they have hbo <laughs> well they all just boycotted netflix so yeah that's true the thing is every time conservatives get something uh, and liberals too when something pisses them off you immediately get the cancel hbo i'm not going to subscribe ever again there's no such chatter over this which just proves how toothless and unthreatening this material really is 
I mean, I suppose that's true. You are preaching to the converted. You're not wrong there. And what you have to do when you're judging this as how valuable is it a piece of art, because I think we all agree to some level, this is not really serving any purpose in terms of achieving anything socially or politically. It's more uh, patting yourself on the back for feeling the way that you do about these things. I don't have a nece necessarily a problem with that. So, I mean, right now, everybody's in such a dark place. Maybe we need a little bit of patting on the back for feeling the right way about things. Sorry, I am a proud libtard. I have to be a little careful because in my day job, I am literally paid to be fair and impartial. But that comes through training. That comes through education. That is not something I espouse. It's just something I do for my nine to five. In the meantime, I really think people should get health care. I think people should get education. I think people, regardless of their color or cultural background, should be afforded the same rights as everybody else. Like, if that makes me a liberal, so be it. That seems to be where I land a lot. I like that people get treated fairly, and I want that people not get shot in the back extrajudicially by members of law enforcement. Like, these are things that I hold true. And, yeah, so in that regard, I'm a liberal writing for a news publication stranded in, like, the dead center of red state middle America. Yeah, as somebody in Texas, I feel your pain there. <laughs> well, and I went from Texas to Wyoming, so... But it's baffling that a lot of the people who don't agree with this, who this is not aimed at, would think because of all those things you believe you are a fascist akin to Adolf Hitler. And yeah. I'm not sure how brains get that way. And that's partially what coastal elites, at least I think the best parts of it are kind of getting at, is that disconnect that's there. Because I think we said what needs to be said about this, where it stands, who it's for, and how ineffective it's going to be at changing anyone's mind, but maybe effective for making people feel a little better, is whether or not each piece is entertaining in and of itself. And I will strongly say, I think some of the pieces in here were deeply entertaining and I'm going to revisit. And I think the only way to do this is kind of go section by section and take a look at each one. This starts with maybe arguably its strongest part with Bette Mittler as Miriam Nessler, who is a very Jewish, living in the village in New York City, liberal lady. She's in a police station talking directly to the camera. All of these are just monologues from people talking to people that you can't hear their responses. She's explaining why she did whatever it was she did to get arrested. And as we see, it's because she grabbed the hat off the head of a MAGA idiot who was sitting in the village. Why you would do that? And as he says at one point, she's like, why, why do you, would you wear that hat here? And he's like, because it drives you fucking nuts. And she's, how is that a reason to do anything? <laughs> Her section worked for me a lot, if for no other reason. Bette Mettler is a national treasure. Here, there's no surprises in anything that's being said in this material, but it's so funny. She's a riot reading it. There's just at least 15 turns of phrase that just were spelled out so delightfully that I laughed just out of pleasure of the uh, verbosity of it. Bette Midler is just somebody I've loved for a long time. I was extolling this movie while I was watching it just because Bette Midler was just so entertaining and fun to watch while on Facebook while watching the movie. <laughs> I think it really sets up the rest of the movie, too, because Bette Midler has the most back and forth with with another character that you never see nor hear. So it really sets you up for when she's addressing the camera, you are a character and you are the officer that I'm speaking to. And, oh, by the way, are you a Republican? Are you a Democrat? And I think that setup helps sell the other segments. Each one, the other character is a camera. And in this one, it's a person. And it just really brought me in. 
And the way I described it, it's like she is delivering this monologue as a piece of live theater to you in the audience of one. Like, it is just you and Bette sitting there, and she is just going to give you this monologue. And it's fun. It's phenomenal. It's a well-done monologue. And I think this kind of thing is really fun. And I think especially since we're in the middle of this pandemic and COVID and we're all having to nail down, it shows a really uh, fun and ingenuitive way to do something different. It was so immediate and personal that I put my mask on watching it. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever sat through a 90-minute conference call via Zoom or Skype and then thought, this could have just been an email? Sure. That's kind of how I felt about this whole (laughs) series. It's all excellently done. All of these actors are phenomenal, great material, sharp dialogue, but it does betray its obvious roots as a theater piece. It was originally going to be live on stage and then of course a pandemic happened and so they had to retool it a little bit to film the each segment remotely you can definitely feel that sort of theatricality to it which doesn't always work with a a type of naturalistic performance i think this would have worked a lot better on stage because there's something that just happens uh when you're in a room with a really good actor who has just knows their material and knows how to deliver it this feels kind of sterile to me. It's it's an obvious conceit that we've seen play out a lot lately. I will bet my oneofus.net paycheck, all zero dollars of it. <laughs> Y'all are getting paid? That, that, <laughs> zero dollars. Oh yeah, zero bucks. <laughs> I get a zero buck award and a Tony award. Uh, punch to the face behind a Baskin Robbins at three in the morning. But it's a huge ceremony. It's a prestigious honor just to be nominated. (laughs) In which he just kicks you in the nuts for that. (laughs) I would bet that the Bette Midler piece is the first piece that was written. It feels more alive. It feels more to the moment than all the others. All of those other pieces eventually have to get to what the sort of overarching theme is. And I'm not going to spoil anything. Really, this movie just doesn't want you to vote for Donald Trump. That's the message, and and, and I, I completely back that message. And nothing about this movie says, hey, your Republican uncle's willing to sit down and watch this with you. It's not that at all, and I never thought it was going to be that. And when it was a play, it damn sure wasn't going to get any of those people in that little weird indie New York theater snapping their fingers that they like it. That was never going to happen, and they knew that. This is, like I said, this is more of a complimentary pat on the back, a chance for us to go like, oh, we can laugh and feel something and explore these things that people we know and that are like us feeling. Is there any merit, artistic merit to that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely there is. But your results are going to vary based on which section there is. For instance, the next section, which is genuinely funny Dan Levy, who is uh, the son of Eugene Levy, who plays his son on Schitt's Creek, which is kind of his big breakthrough role, comes out of here playing an actor who is basically being offered a chance to play a superhero in a movie, a gay superhero, and he is a gay man. And he's dealing with sort of the, the way they're asking him to do this and what they're asking him to do with it and the inherent biases with that. And he's talking to his therapist when it... And I gotta say, despite... Generally thinking Levy's a funny guy, this wasn't a terribly funny script for this one, and I thought it was an odd pairing to match this guy who's decidedly a naturally gifted comedian and kind of play this one, if you'll excuse the inappropriate terminology, play it straight. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't think this was trying to be a comedy. I think it kind of bills itself as a comedy. There's humor in every individual piece, except I would say the last one. But I don't think comedy is the main goal. I think it's important to t notice, too, that this is the one that is not overtly taking a swipe at the administration. Oh, it does eventually. It does eventually, and it, it, and it takes a swipe at us culturally. But I think what this is, is it's bringing the perspective of an old Jewish woman. It's bringing the perspective of uh, a gay actor, a successful gay actor, uh, who's mm -hmm. struggling with whether or not to take this really fantastic part that's going to be an incredible opportunity for him that he's not comfortable with the way they're asking him to do it. There is the uh, affluent black woman who is working on nonprofits and gets an audience with the Trump family. You've got your healthcare worker at the end. And all of these are unique perspectives that we hear a lot from and we see in the news, but we don't necessarily consume them as art. And I think that's why this kind of keyed with me. Again, I don't know if it's going to be a great movie, but as far as hour and 45 minutes of entertainment... Um, I really enjoyed this, but I'm also really itching for that uh, live theater vibe. So I may have been in the bag for this from the beginning. It passed quickly for me. I couldn't believe it was an hour and 45 minutes, honestly. When it was over, I was like, oh, that's it? I was really enjoying that. And I would say Issa Rae is the one that competes with Bette Mittler for the best. Mittler is such a treasure. And she could read, like I said, anything and be spectacular. And that's a really well-written but funny script. Issa Rae has also got moments of humor, but it's the one that I think that has the most amount of wow moments in it that are just kind of startling and it also reveals that ray not only being such a gifted comedian is also one hell of an actress she yeah. really pulls off the performance in that one making many i've seen argue that that's the centerpiece of this whole thing yeah she's the black lives supporter she's the daughter of a wealthy uh businessman and she went to the same prep school as ivanka trump at least in the conceit of the story that's being told yeah the character and, you know, then it gets this personal invite. She has this connection to Ivanka Trump. And it just further reveals the sort of transactional nature of the Trumps. They need to find their black person that they can use to kind of uh, prop up when it comes time for the election. And this is a character who is very uncomfortable being put in that position. It's actually chilling and kind of terrifying and sad. That idea when she's like, I realized when my dad was there with me, who is like richer than Trump, and I could have been a naked porn star and Trump still would have rather fucked my dad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <That's> like, wow. <laughs> That's utterly untrue. He would have fucked her and fucked her dad. <laughs> True. Yeah. But in a different way. He would have just fucked her sexually. He would have fucked him financially. <laughs> and then he would have paid money to make them never talk about it again. I mean, come on. Why soft soap it? That's what it really would have been. <laughs> <laughs> but I did find that the most rewarding overall of all sure. these. I mean, this movie is at its best, I think. And you see bits of it in the uh the bet midler portion and a little bit towards the end it's at its best i think when it starts to investigate that idea that maybe this is our fault maybe our little tolerance our soft ways are being super sensitive maybe that's come back to bite us in the end and that was one of the points of the uh the bet midler piece when she confronts this maga guy and he's like yeah I, I know it gets it drives you crazy and she's like i would fight for your right to wear that stupid hat and he's like i know you would and that's why you'll lose 
we're gonna lose because we're fucking soft it is coastal elites i get it it's right there in the title but it never has any interest in anyone else other than those people there are republicans who live in new york and in la why couldn't there have been a character of that and try to see it from their point of view not because i want to honor that point of view it's just so fucking insular. It's so in that bubble that I'm like, I don't think you guys could live five minutes outside of the city line of the t major metropolitan area in which you live. Except for possibly the nurse character. They identify. She's the one person from Wyoming who identifies as an independent, but you could almost feel her going, I'm from a Republican family. I still don't understand why that's a problem, choosing to do it this way. It's not trying to be for everyone. Like, it says up front, this is not for your Republican uncle. This is for you to watch. This is for you to have some sense of, like, relief getting inside the heads of other people that are feeling the pain of this as well. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think this does it about as smartly and artistically as one could hope for, at least in certain segments of it. I certainly feel like I would have appreciated if it had stuck a little stronger to the comedy aspects of it all along because the last two sequences get so dour that it just becomes awkward. You've got Sarah Paulson playing a character who runs a meditation online kind of guru. Yeah. And she's dealing with talking about dealing with the, those people who we know personally, we have here at the site who have to deal with their own families being super right wing, crazed right wingers. And they're like, I don't get it saying, I love you, but I fucking hate you. I never felt watching that despite Paulson's performance being strong, like it always is, there was enough there to expand it into a whole piece. And even more so for me, for Caitlin Dever, who is certainly the youngest, most inexperienced person working in this, you know, kind of the up and coming young actress. And she plays the nurse who's exhausted and person who she has a sort of friendship with who is infected. And both of these stories are ones that I felt of all these are the ones we're most familiar with, that we hear every day, that we know these people in our lives, that we read them posting about this on Facebook, as opposed to the first three, which were a little more unique, a little more singular. And I kind of was bored with the last two. You know, the second one keyed with me because, number one, she's from Wyoming. Anytime you mention Wyoming in your movie, you've got a bunch of us on board already. That's where I am now. That's where I grew up. People don't notice us very often, so that was exciting. <laughs> and on top of that, the narrative of healthcare workers who are leaving Wyoming and going places where they're much more needed is, is something we're hearing about. It's something that uh, we've reported on in my day job. And so that's out there as well. It was really interesting. There was a few few qualifying statements that I wanted to be a super hipster about, like Deaver's character is talking about uh, a patient she has who's rather acerbic. I think this is even in the trailer where she says, the woman coughed. She says, well, let's hope it's cancer. Deaver kind of pipes up. She says, well, they don't really say stuff like that in Wyoming. And I'm like, ah, no, that's, uh, no, we're, we, we're pretty irreverent. I'll bet you Paul Rudnick has never been to Wyoming. Yeah. And <laughs> that's probably true. Come on out anytime, Paul. I'll show you around. I'll keep you away from the, the red staters. They won't have to know who you are. But it's there to remind you that the character is from Wyoming, but really has nothing to do with Wyoming, other than just to underline that she is not a coastal elite. She is bringing this whole other perspective. And so that was neat. It was neat to have Wyoming kind of showed in that way. And it's neat because there are a lot of people in Wyoming who are in that class of people that they're 
hopping on the QAnon wagon, they're marching in the streets with long rifles, they're feeling very cagey and very angry right now. It was nice to see an independent STEM-employed woman representing Wyoming in a film. So that was refreshing, but that is all entirely sure subjective yeah. for me. Thank God we have movies like this to help those people see the light. <laughs> well, and that's what I will say. I don't think uh, this is for anybody but for who it's for, like we said at the beginning. But I do think there is a certain call to action here for liberals to vote, to show up, to act and just to get pissed and do something about it and i think that's where this was going how much that's gonna work how much that came through i'm a little wishy-washy on but i think that's that was probably more the plan here than it was to uh convert anybody look we've all been trapped inside for seven fucking months we're all going out of our heads we need something every once in a while to at least feel a little bit good to make us laugh a little bit and this at its strongest points was letting us laugh at the horror of the whole thing and that's i think a good thing. Not every entertainment is for everyone. Not every art is for everyone. And I think that's a good thing. I can't stand art that tries to be for absolutely everyone. It's usually banal and terrible. And it's really hard to make political art that's for everyone. That's for both people to go like, good job. And see, didn't we change your mind? That's really fucking hard. In fact, I'm not even sure it's entirely possible. I saw some critics comparing this in a negative way to Dr. Strangelove, and I'm like, stop! What are you doing? <laughs> no. It's not even trying to accomplish the same thing that no. Dr. Strangelove was doing. If like That's a total political satire in a narrative film format. This is something completely different. It's bizarre to think. People are still watching Dr. Strangelove 50 years later. No one's going to be watching Coastal Elites 50 years from now. Maybe not, but that's nothing to do with the quality per se. I'm saying in the way they were comparing it, they're saying, why didn't they just do something like that if they wanted to make a strong political message? I'm like, because it's not the same kind of thing. It's apples and oranges, quite frankly. And I think it's kind of weirdly irresponsible of a critic to even try and draw a comparison between those two. But I have gotten on my soapbox for long enough. I am well lathered up and bubbly. Let's go to final thoughts. Marco, without reiterating everything you've said twice already about why you think this isn't good give us a general opinion i never said it was bad it just isn't what we need right now at least not me maybe some people uh, it'll serve as a useful bromide and if so I i'm glad for you i wish i got something out of that i found much to like great performances sharp writing but i've been in the theater long enough and have seen way too many people go on about how this play is so great it's so important people need to see this it's always the same fucking people who go. Nothing ever changes. 20, 30 years later, same problems, only worse. If anything, <laughs> they've metastasized. I feel like, you know, what was like Dudley Moore and Peter Cook were saying about why they were doing the Goon Show, because they were inspired by all those great cabarets of the late 20s that did so much to stop the rise of Hitler and fascism. That's kind of what this feels like. It's like, this is fun. It's entertaining. It's more or less toothless. I wish it would have gone more for the jugular because people are angry. They do have a point of view. I think these filmmakers have one too, but it's just ultimately kind of soft and just placates the audience that it is condescending to and it treats anybody who doesn't agree with them like they're non-entities uh, and not important except for the Wyoming woman who is a, a bright light in the film for me. I have to give this four and a half DVD screeners that you'll get as a complimentary free gift in your tote bag every time you send 50 bucks to NPR. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> All right, Laramie, what you got for us, Trevor? By and large, I enjoyed this. It was a great night of theater that I was able to have at home, and that's what I think it functions best as. I think Marco brings up some good points that, you know, we probably needed something with a little more teeth in it, something a little more for the jugular. But at the same time, I don't know that that's what this was setting out to be. If anything, I think the call to action leaving this is number one, vote. Um, I'm sure the movie would rather you not vote for Donald Trump, but just vote. And number two, once we get back into the swing of things and once we're comfortable going out into the world, go see some live theater, go see a production, go see some fringe, political, poorly written, poorly acted college piece, go see some really safe, super funny, farcical, slamming door community theater piece, you know, just go see something. But as far as Coastal Elites goes, I'd say if this is going to be in your lane, go see it. If you like live theater, if you're liberal, this is for you. If neither of those are really keen to you, it's probably a miss. But at the end of the day, I'm going to give this 7 out of 10 fantastic performances by Bette Midler. Yeah, I think this is a mixed bag of sequences, but unlike Marco, I don't disagree with their aims. I would love it if somebody came up with that movie that you wanted. This is just not what they were aiming for, and I don't think it's fair to criticize it for something it was never trying to do, that it was trying to be a completely different type of thing. I get you've got a lot more theater experience than I do, and that this indeed resembled more a theater experience than it did a movie, but I don't have a problem with that either. Did I feel engaged by it? Did I feel like these characters were talking to me? Did I feel like I got something out of it that was valuable? The answer is yes. I felt yes to all of those things. I really enjoyed watching this quite a bit. Most of it. Like I said, the last two, I kept thinking, man, they needed another some person of the tier of Bette Mittler to finish this one out with a strong, funny, big punch to, to end it up. And instead, they decided to go out with more of a sad whimper, I thought. No no offense to the actress. It's just her piece is kind of straightforward, all things considered. And we've heard it already many times. When I loved this, I loved it. The rest of the time, I just kind of liked it. I'm going to give it a seven and a half out of ten times that, fuck it, I'm just going to say Bette Mettler said something fantastic again, because we all <laughs> took the Bette Mettler one because she is great and we could watch her do anything. And just because I'm a huge fan of the show, I do want to shout out that Caitlin Deaver was a uh, alumni of the TV show Justified, which is a big favorite of mine. Indeed. And she had a great part on that. Justified, one of those shows I always tell people, this is one of the great shows it's up there with The Wire, with The Shield, with any number of the other classics. You should go back and watch it. Yeah, it's a good one. 